You're listening to Wanye's World, presented by Oodle Noodle. It is going to be like, so here's the situation. Wanye's World, episode 16? 16. 16. Not 14. No. But not a single episode yet on Apple Podcasts. Okay? Because we had to make the move. Coom's here. Brett's here. Wanye's here. We had to make the move, Coom. We had to take Wanye's World off the Nation Network podcast thing. Because we want to talk about righteous shit. Suddenly, this is a publicly traded podcast on the Swedish Stock Exchange. I didn't sign on for that. I want to talk about conspiracy theories. I want to talk about gambling technologies under development. This can't be publicly traded. So me, yeah. Boops. Me and Brett had the bright idea. We'll just take it and make it our own. So why did Apple say no? What are they trying to do? We already have a Wanye's world, they said. Yeah. You can't have a second Wanye's world. This isn't like a Creed's thought, Creed thoughts thing from the office where they're, they're like, you can't be posting this publicly. <laughs> no, it probably should here. be though. How does it resolve itself in your mind? I think we have to take off the old Wanye's world. How do we do that? I've already asked, uh, so it should be off. Have you reached out but to Tim? Tim. Tim Cook? Cook? Yeah. Tim, oh, Timmy boy. Get him on the no, phone and be like, busy. please take off the other podcast and put the fucking new one on. I was, I was trying to hit up Steve. I've got bad news. Wait, what? He gone. Where? Steve what? Jobs is dead. What? Yes. What? No. When? Yeah. Not hour, like an hour ago, man. An hour ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You think, like, uh, think Tim was involved? This, I, was, <laughs> I was in Thailand when Steve Jobs died, and no exaggeration, three days later, they had iPhone cases saying, rest in peace, Steve Jobs for sale. Like, the speed at which the bootleg iPhone case industry moves in Thailand, you'd be shocked. They had a cricket ready in the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sooner or later, one day, we're going to sort this Apple podcast stuff out. You, who'd you ask to remove it? Uh, Tyler. Uh-huh, Tyler uh-huh, Cook? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Tim Cook's son, Tyler? It's yeah. going to be the drop of a lifetime. If you like Wanye's World and the 19 new episodes just dropped, 500 episodes take one three day. weeks off work and enjoy moderately funny podcasts. There's like the Hoover Dam exploding, <laughs> and there's just like a thousand hours of just content that comes through. <laughs> People are take, taking off like a month of work. Yeah. If I had an autobiography at this point, it would be called Everything is Always Stuck. The Wanye story, like doing stuff, working on things, but everything's always stuck. How's the podcast? Stuck. It's like the tipping point, but not. There hasn't been a tipping point. It's called bottlenecks. A million ways to be fucked. The Wanye story. <laughs> a million ways my enemies have ruined me. Yeah. I've been called bottleneck before. But really? For something else. What was that for? My penis. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. See, we can say that because we're not publicly traded. <laughs> yeah. That's it. See, we don't have to check ourselves. This right? podcast brought to you. <laughs> the, occasionally, I say oodle noodle and mention that there's 19 locations, and that's the extent of the advertising. This, on this podcast story. brought to you by the federal government. Yeah. 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 That's who I work for. It's for, yeah, I work for the federal government because all I do is pay taxes. Sanction us, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Which federal government? That's the question. Burkina Faso. Yeah. Secretly, yeah. I'm a double agent. Faulkner Island. Yeah. 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 So it is, what's the date today? February 1st. Uh, of course. Happy February, boys. Ugh. Everyone's in Toronto. The whole damn company, it seems like, is out in Toronto doing a podcasting thing live for advertisers in Toronto. Yeah. And then they're part of a panel. Yep. Talking to advertisers in Toronto. I think so. This sounds devilish. Have you ever been to Toronto, Coom? I have been to Toronto. I've been to Toronto a few times. I used to live there, actually. You lived in Toronto? used to live there. And you returned back to the West? It was very expensive. Is that what it was? That was, the, that was largely the, the issue, and I felt I was sick there often. I got sick all the time. Really? So when all this nonsense kicked off, you were living in Belfast. Correct. And you were living the Belfast dream. I was. And how long were you there for? Um, I was there for a year, and six of that was normal, and six of that was COVID. Six months. Yeah. Yeah, and then I came back in the fall of 2020, and then I was to uh, Toronto. Yeah, that's right. So and, I was there for about three years, and, and then years. came back. Came back E-10. here in what was that? 2022 summer. That'd be it. I remember when you're like, "I'm moving to Belfast," and I'm like, "Damn it, Coombs one of the best." And you're like, "But I'm still going to work here." I'm like, "Oh, really? That's allowed?" And you were like, "I don't know. Is it?" And I was like, "I don't know. Is it?" <laughs> and then you just moved away and continued working at the same pace. I thought it was it was actually quite easy to work there because we were like seven hours ahead of the Mountain Time Zone. So being in Toronto was helpful because you're like you're two hours ahead. But then I could wake up at noon, and it was like 
5 a.m. in Edmonton. And I'm, everyone's just like, you know, two, three more hours until anything's getting going. And I've already had my whole day. And it's like, put two things in the website and everyone's like, wow, this guy's fucking with it. And it's like, I didn't wake up today until 11. They don't need to know that. No one needs to know. They don't that. need to know the curvature of the earth impacts yeah. time. Yeah. So why, what did you miss about Edmonton? I feel like a lot of people leave and they're like, fuck this place. I'm out of here. Bonnie Dune Mall can't hold me back. And then they go somewhere. And then if we're lucky, the good ones come back and the shitty ones stay away. <laughs> so we were thrilled to have you home. What made, what did you miss and what made you come home to Edmonton? There's like certain things here that just, just, and I guess it's obviously a bias since I grew up here. Like you can't, I can't necessarily talk about my experience moving back, comparing to someone who just moved here because I feel like when you grow up here, there's these, there's these weird random things you just kind of almost become addicted to about Edmonton that you just cannot get anywhere else. Like when I'm in Toronto, I simply could not find an equivalent to the Kinsman rec center. (laughs) I just couldn't. And it's like inconceivable in Toronto to just like spend $70 and have access to a good rec center. It's just, it's not part of life there. Really? At least I wasn't able to. There's no city rec centers. I I mean, there are, and there's YMCA's and, and, and the sort, but they're just, it's just not the same. And they're also, busy and you have to like book a time where you can go lane swim and stuff like that it's just random stuff like that you just miss and that's what it was for me honestly and then a lot a lot of it comes down to the money it was just so difficult to live there it's just so expensive yeah i think like having known people who've moved to edmonton and then seen them kind of operate on their own and then see how it is when you're bringing them around and showing you your stuff. Edmonton's a hard city to move to. If you don't know people here already, yeah. Yep. Cause what are you gonna do? Walking down Jasper Ave, ringing a bell, being like, Hello, help. And like the dating apps, yes, hit and miss. You're going to bring some pretty attractive people with that bell down yeah. Jasper Avenue. It is a yep. uh, zombie horde. You would have behind you as you're ringing your bell, Philadelphia. And it's not like, there are definitely more cosmopolitan places that you can go where like, there's a lot of people out and about doing things. If you're in a city like Belfast, or I don't know if it's the same in Toronto, but like if you're in an international city, there seems to be this group of expats that socialize all the time and they're good at including people. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a small town, yep. small city like Edmonton, yep. it's more like nice to see you. Now I feel fuck off. I'm going to go talk to my friends I've had for 30 years. Yeah, this is one weakness of Edmonton. Definitely is it is. It's fair. It's a fairly clicky city. That's anybody yeah. though. I think with like yeah. a smaller population, not a lot of people come to Edmonton and like hang and not a lot of people um, in Edmonton. I feel like not a lot leave and come back. It's mostly you're here and you're staying. Yeah. And then there, there are the, the ones that go out to the, there's like a, a large crop of people that go to Vancouver. And I think you're trying to live that kind of more hippie lifestyle. Like you're in a relationship and you really lean into it and you like take your life easy and you try to do that kind of thing. Or you move to Toronto and you like, I want to be a part of the rat race and the culture. I want to make money. That's kind of what you go for. And I think a lot of people kind of take for granted living here, like the pace of life and how calm things can be and how much time you have to think and plan things out. And that just simply isn't the case in a place like Toronto or Vancouver, where it's so competitive and everyone's always trying to do something. Everyone seems or or comes across like a grifter in some capacity. It seems like everyone's always trying to like sell you something or convince you of something. And and that's just not really the pace here. And I, I, I found I missed that. I was telling Wanye last night, I was stuck in Toronto for about 12 hours because my friends took a, uh, a plane that left at 10.30 a.m. And I, for some reason, booked the 10.30 p.m. one. And, uh, so, and we were in Airbnb, so I had to leave at like 9 p.m., 10 p.m. And I remember walking around Toronto, and I was like, I can't live here. There would be no way I could live in a city like this. It's intense. It's yeah. a lot of noise. There's a lot going on at a lot? any time. Yeah. You take for granted here. Like I, uh, when I was younger, I thought, man, it's so boring here. There's nothing going on, but you take for granted how nice that can actually be. Sometimes it's nice to just have peace and be able to just think. Yeah. It's hard to do that in other places. I lived for a while, uh, off and on in Mexico city and that's a wild ass place. Cool. Right. And like, I think it's the second largest city in the world and there's no fucking rhyme or reason to the place. There'll be like a 7-Eleven OXO next to a 40-story tower next to a single-family residence. Like, there's no zoning. There's no nothing. You walk down the street. I remember I was walking with my boys, and they always laugh at me all the time because they're naturalized Mexicans born and raised. They lived a little bit in Hermosillo, which is a little city, and then they live part-time in Mexico City. So even going from Hermosillo to Mexico City with the same group of guys, you'd see how they'd change. Right. Because in Mexico City, you got to be on. 
There's crazy shit happening oh. all the live long day. Hermosillo is a little bit more chill. It's kind of like Edmonton. There's not a lot of shit going on. But if we walk down the street and I would see like a hole in the ground. I'd be like, hole, look out, everybody. And they're like, oh, my God, here he goes. I'm like, who's sending the authorities out to patch this hole? And they're like, you pussy. Like, in Canada, we'd have a pylon and a helicopter and maybe even the Coast Guard to fix that hole. And you realize when you go to a bigger place, it doesn't have to be necessarily a busy city, but just, like, what's an example? I was driving the other day here in the River Valley in Edmonton, and I saw a shitload of trash. Somebody just, like, hucked garbage on the side of the road. I was like, Dan, that's ridiculous. Three hours later, I'm driving home from work and there's a city of Edmonton vehicle with its hazards on. Mm. And there's a guy with a thing cleaning up the garbage. No way. And you don't understand how many cities in the world and not North America, all around the world are like, there's garbage. You fucking bitch. Who cares? Whereas here, the society still works to a large extent. And there are people that are going to go out there and clean shit up. Mm -hmm. Right. You know where there's, What's the best place? And I always mention this. If you're in Edmonton and you want to wander around and just feel like, feel the airs of a utopia, just go walk around the U of A campus and just yeah. kind of like turn your brain off and everything's clean to an extent largely. And it's yeah. just like, if we could organize a very good society, it would be like a built out version of a university campus occupying like the entire center of a city. The you're U spitting truths, Coom. Straight yeah. truth. <laughs> walkable, walkable, walkable areas. And it's know? the architecture super yeah. pretty, right? Super like, pretty. Every building too is like on its game. Everything's yeah. full occupancy. Yeah. People are still like going in between buildings filled with hope and vigor. It's like a little Starfleet command in, yeah. in the star. All the cadets are walking around. Right? Hop, 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 hop. You know, what's nice too, is that you can use the scooters around a lot of the area too. So if you're like down on white and you're just scooting around looking for things to do, you can just scoot around the U of A campus and see all those old buildings and all the the cool stuff that they have around there. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I really like the U of A area. I do too. I love yeah. it. One of my favorite things to do is go to um, the quad on Week of Welcome. Yep. Kuhn and I have done it a couple <laughs> of times now. And I remember when I went to U of A, I'd think to myself, man, I wish I just didn't have to do schoolwork. Like living on campus, hanging out, going to the buildings. It's the best. It's the school I hate. <laughs> it's the work I can't stand. I'm going to come back here. I remember thinking when I'm done and just vibes, but the minute you're done, you're like, I'm out of here, bitches. I don't even know what it is, but yeah. now we've returned to it. And Kum and I go and vibe. Yeah, I remember. I graduated in 2016. I took five years because I worked there. I, I I had a full-time job for the last two years. I was the sports editor and then the EIC of the student newspaper. So I was pretty burnt out by the end of that. Like, I took, like, 300-level courses along with that job, and it was just, like, a complete... That job is of equal work as the yeah. degree. It was, yeah. It was basically wow. getting two degrees. It was, like, running the gateway was a degree in itself in the course of, like, a year. It was, like, getting an MBA in work experience, honestly. <laughs> it was intense. It was, it was weird to be, like, a 22-year-old managing 21-year-olds and 20-year-olds. And by the end of that, I was, like, I was ready to get the fuck out of there, and I had no interest in being on the U of A campus until after I moved away and came back. And then I found myself, it's, you know, COVID times, and we're working, like, remote. And I'm used to working remote because I'd been away for a couple of years. And then I found myself wanting to come back and go to the U of A to do work. Mm. That's cool, that's, man. That's like just to get out of the rhythm of, yeah. you know, being in the house or whatever. Yeah. Just go post up at like the Rutherford Harry Potter library. And yeah, I used to do really my shit good, there. Right? There's, some, there's something to be said for like, it is like a utopia. Like there's a room full of everybody working their balls off 11 o'clock at night trying to get ahead. Like you wouldn't find another Rutherford Ghostbusters library in the private sector with people working that hard in their day jobs. University like requires a different and college and any sort of learning requires a different gear. I think a lot of people, if you, if you really probe them, like you talk to some professionals that are in some harder fields, like, I think you'd, you'd, you'd find some people that said, you know what, like the, the, the hardest years of my life that I had to dedicate to work were, were my years in school. Well, I wouldn't say for me it is. I mean, the, the biggest thing I've found in the entrepreneurship world that's hard isn't the work. It's just the pressure, like financially. Of having payroll every two weeks to give you the Sunday screams for fucking 20 years. Were you anxious doing your degree about grades and stuff? Were you one of those guys? That no, so anxious, man. Yeah. So anxious. When I was in my third year, I made the dean's list, though, Coom. Nice. There's a wink for the boy. And then, uh, well, I went wild in my fourth year. Let's be honest. <laughs> I, I knew I could get to the top of the mountain. You don't climb Everest and stay at the top of Everest. You climb back down and party and brag about how you're on Everest. My fourth year, I told every girl that would look at me sideways that I was on the dean's list last year and this year we can party 
And then you went to the Gateway and they said... I worked at the Gateway. I wrote one article about hockey. I remember the title was Gravy Train About to Come to an End. And I predicted the strike in 04, in 98. No way. Yes. I let one article and they said, we don't need you ever again. And I said, but this is a volunteer newspaper. And they're like, you heard us. And that was the end. Wow. That was my one kick at the cat of student journalism. Yeah, things had changed quite a bit by the time that I roll around it. It it's sort of uh, in my few years at the at the organization, my two employment years, we turned it into a little bit more of a creative writing exercise than <laughs> a, a hard journalism exercise. Did you were you there when they made like those that quiz? That uh, the purity test? Yeah. Yeah, the purity test was like an every February thing. We People would do like a themed newspaper and then you'd do these questions being like, have you done this sexual thing? Have you done this drinking thing? Have you done this drugs thing? And yeah. people would add up their scores. Yeah. And it was like a fun little social thing people did at the U of A. Like in sub, you'd be like, oh, I got like 169 on the purity test because I've, you know, done a line of cocaine out of someone's butthole and I got 15 points. Yeah. And that was like, a, that was one of the... Not publicly <laughs> traded. Yeah. We could say all those words. Hey, this, this funky was, Buddha. This was... Eat a noodle noodle, bitch. Yeah. Yeah, this, man, the amount of like hate calls or negative calls we got. Fuck, one time we got um, some first year student's mom phoned and left and left a voicemail being like I picked up the newspaper and it was for this purity test one and they were, she was like I picked up this newspaper and oh like <laughs> this is supposed to be like a this is supposed to be like a place a higher academic place of learning and understanding it was so funny when I went to U of A the thing driving gateway revenue was cigarette ads what? Yeah, that's a Don Iverson. Yeah. Thing. I don't know if I should say that on this, but it is. He it's was the, he was the business manager at that time. It. Yeah, he was it's, the business manager. It wasn't breaking no laws. No, it wasn't because he couldn't was. get in the big newspapers. But there was no rules precluding cigarette yeah. ads in the student newspaper. So they, there were limited places to advertise, almost like sports betting now. Yeah. And they took the money, and they also took a lot of Coke money. And I don't mean cocaine. Oh. Coca Cola. Remember, there was like a huge deal to put Coke vending machines on campus they had to pay like 10 million dollars or some shit really yeah yeah that's interesting yeah that was that was donny iverson i think that's good business don it i mean was. we don't want kids to smoke but at the time we want to make that money there yeah. was a point in time and and this is like an old story that i learned when i was there but apparently in the late 90s and early 2000s i think more so the early 2000s the editors that worked at the gateway were making more than like some professional journalists in like other markets what? like it was the student newspapers that's in, the kind of fucking balls that told young wanya you're not allowed to work here yeah. it's like i just counted his money it was like ha ha <laughs> yeah like when i went through the salaries that so when i was the sports editor i made it was 1500 bucks a month i think or something 15 1600 and then the eic role was 2200 dollars a month and that was more than journalists in town or it had uh, been cut back back in that time they were making more money than we were because the you know the the advertisements kind of disappeared i was there in 2014 15 and 15 16 so there wasn't the same level of advertising in print media and we were like half sponsored by the students and the students union at that time it was like every student paid like a 350 levy i remember that yeah, yeah and we had to get we had to get a vote passed through every three years to, to, to maintain that funding in my EIC year. We had to do the vote. So we had to advocate. I remember going like one thing your boy Wanya always does is really overestimate how smart other people are <laughs> perpetually. So I can remember going to meetings at gateway and just being like, I thought I was at the fucking New York times. Like I was like, this is unbelievable. That guy makes cartoons. And then they're like, you can't be here. And I was like, probably for the best. And I went on my way. Right. But like, I thought it was like, you're at the gateway today. Tomorrow morning, you're at the Journal, and by tomorrow afternoon, you're at the WAPO, which is short for Washington Post. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't really work out that way. They're, um, I mean, it might have been like that before, but I, it's, it's not easy to break into media at this time. And I mean, when I was going through, a lot of people were kind of looking for their like, mainstream media gigs, and I, was always, I always sort of wanted to look. Well, I mean, to be fair to me, I did get, I had like a different path to go down because you guys found me when I was... How old was I in 2015? We should talk about this. Yeah, they, yeah they I had don't hunted. know. I don't know. They had hunted me. Really? Yeah. I, I was always like, we should look at the here. gateway, man. They turned me down once. These people are smart. They probably got people way smarter than me because they kicked me out. Yeah, and I had. Um, it was a really good timing actually because uh, Jay reached out and 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 sent me an email and was like, oh yeah, like. Uh, the job that they you guys were interviewing for me, hilariously enough, was the editor-in-chief role. Of NHL numbers, though? No, of the entire network. It was when oh, it was oh, at that oh, time, oh. Yeah, in, 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 in early 2015, and I was like, well, this is obviously considerably over my head, but I'd love to be involved in We're some like, that's not the nation spirit. <laughs> yeah. You tell us that three years in when you're apologizing and quitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was good luck, actually, because my, my sports section in the Gateway that week, I had just done... Um, 
I made this graphic about because Giancarlo Stanton had just signed that huge contract for I right. think what 325 mils and it was the biggest contract at the time yeah and I did like a like kind of the graph showing when will a player sign a $1 billion contract? And I made a visual for it and I showed it to Jay in the meeting and he was like, Oh, this is interesting. Like, I think this would be a good fit. And then I did NHL numbers. Cool. What was that? We was instead put you into the NHL numbers role. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah. I updated. They were like, you know what? Here's a role for you. You're going to run a salary cap resource. Really? We had a website called NHLnumbers.com and we were, right. and it was good. It was a lot of salary information from the O's. Mm-hmm. We were putting it together. Yep. And we want to put articles on the front of it. And we're like, we're going to need somebody hella smart to do this. Like nobody on our team's able to write <laughs> anything of any note. Yeah. And then we're like, well, we better go to the gateway. We better go to the feeder <laughs> system. We better go and talk to the guy in charge. Yeah. Thinking, because you were the editor in chief, you would know somebody. Right. And it turned <laughs> out it was you. Yes. It turns out I, it, you, what you guys did is you reached out to this, the student newspaper, the head of the journalism society at the University of Alberta, thinking you were finding an academic. But what you had found was someone whose management style involved taking everyone into a room and throwing around a Nerf football and trying to keep it up. And then we try and smack it and hit each other. In the wouldn't mention business once. They'd be in there for hours. And really? Then wouldn't yeah. talk about the content, none of it. But everyone got their energy out in that room and then everyone went to their computers and did their jobs. So what year was this that you came to the nation? Uh, it was January of 2015 that I started. So that's what we're, like, we were already little bricking at that point. Yeah, no, it was. Um, so it was January 15. I started and I was remote until I came after I graduated. I came full time in, in, in February of 2017. We were at Homestead. And then after a month, we moved to little brick. Homestead. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Homestead. Yeah, co-working space were involved in on Jasper Ave. In the Alberta block. Oh, that's what I thought. We're like, we should do a co-working space. Check. No one wants to use a co-working space. Fuck. Put our whole business in the co-working space. Yeah. <laughs> then it looks full. There was the coffee shop downstairs. It made a lot of sense. But then we went to Little Brick, and it seemed like it was the year the Oilers broke the playoff drought, 2017. It seemed like the vibes were so exciting. Like, we were working in this house together, and the vibes were so good. It was so fun. Homestead started to fill up so we could retreat. And, like, we were placeholders, right? We needed people to come in, look at Homestead, and be like, look at all these people trying hard. (laughs) And then we were able to remove the illusion, bring our our troops back to Riverdale. Yeah. uh, I remember you in the Little Brick house being like, it's crazy here. All I hear are old ladies having coffee downstairs. And it's just like the the noise echoed up the stairs right yeah. into Coombe's brain. <laughs> yeah, it would just rattle around. And I'd be like, the only way I could distract myself is by uh, <laughs> updating the salary cap resource. I don't know what else to do. Is it weird to see in the time, like you've almost been here 10 years, man. That's fucking impressive. Congratulations. How legitimate shit has gotten? It's it's changed considerably. I was We were sitting outside in the office there and I was talking with, Brett and Gavin and we were kind of talking about like how much things have changed since we became you know it's been two purchases now and then the gambling company is getting involved we were just talking about like you guys were talking about making the clips for the shows and Mm -hmm. how like oh I want to put like this goofy thing on I'm just thinking back to when we were doing stuff in like 2017 18 19 years like the whole thing we were doing was you know nobody might ever look at this but let's put out something that's like unique and different that like we we we're not you know we're not sports net we're not the oilers we're going to try and give people a different option and i think it's 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 interesting that i think we've done a really good job of maintaining that spirit just because we're still here and we still have that like weirdo creative edmonton energy but it's so much more streamlined now like the 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 the, the parent companies that have come in and just directed us and just have made it make a lot more sense is i think it's amazing the company that originally bought the nation playmaker you always run a risk when you sell your company, right? You run a risk that they're going to ruin it. They run a risk they're going to fire you. There's a variety of risks. Every single part of our business has improved (laughs) since Playmaker got involved. And they were like, you guys really like what you're doing, hey? We're like, till the end of time, sir. And they're like, well, we're going to help you from the inside out. And like the numbers when we have our meetings now um, are mind-blowing how big it's gotten. I think it was like almost 900 million impressions of our content yeah. in a quarter. Yeah. In a quarter! Yeah. That's insane. I believe it was 876. Exactly. We always joke around on real life that we only have 12 listeners. and Really, that's all we can mentally make room for in our hearts and minds. There's only 12 people listening. Anything more than that's scary. There's a lot of people watching our shit, man. Yeah. It's Way more than 12. Like at least 15. <laughs> 869 million impressions. What nonsense. Yeah. The, the, the traffic, you look around the websites, like Blue Jays Nation, <laughs> I'm comparing that the, the one year flip that, that we've seen is, I think January of 2023, we did 150,000 page views. And this, this we eclipsed 600,000 this January. Wow. Four times as much. 
Yeah, they said in the meeting it was 330% higher than last year, and the last quarter. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like, the amount of direction that we've had, like, the focus and, like, there used to be so much creative energy and we would do really interesting things, but we'd never really record what we had done. We didn't really- well, the world that. has changed so much. Yeah, right. It's, things are so different now. And the next gen of nation people, like, you guys understand streaming, right? You understand yeah. clips like Brett, the shit yeah. we were doing last night with the DJ downstairs at dog patch. You're an audio video engineer. <laughs> yeah. Truly. Yeah. Whereas like in 2017, we're like, Ooh, we know how to giggle and say Taylor Hall's poo poo. This was the <laughs> dream. Like think about like back when we, when we, when we brought uh, Oilers nation radio back to life, I think it was 2018. And it was like, we're, we're sitting up in the top room in Little Brick there with these, like, I think we were just sitting around recording out of laptops. Like, I don't think we even had microphones or anything. And we were just like, you know what? We got to do something and get it out so that we can have something. Mm-hmm. And that was, at that time, we were, we were so small and we were just so excited to try new different things. And now, like, you look at it and I, I couldn't even imagine telling me five years ago, we'd have this team of, 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 like, skilled kids that went to, like, a school to learn a tangible skill that makes our content good. Like, I made this video uh, where I, I wrote an article on the website and recorded my voice, and I, I, I handed it off to the, the new guy we've just hired, Elijah, and he created this Unreal. amazing yeah. video. And you're like, oh, man, if you had showed me this five years ago, I'd be shocked. Well, you did the really good Mark Messier tree video. Yeah. yeah. That was legit. That took me, like, a week. Yeah. Well, that was really, really good, though. That took a week, eh? That took me like a week to write that thing. I wrote myself a script. Um, I recorded it. It took me like two days to record. I had to like record, re-record different shit. And then editing, laying it out took three or four days. Like this this, this one, Elijah and I turned around and I wrote the article, recorded it. Like a few hours later, it was out within like two days. That's crazy. Remember when we did Smitty Day? Yeah, Smitty Day. We declared uh, Smitty Day. Was it the anniversary of the trade? Yeah, late February. And we did, was it a million views we did? Oh, geez. Across the articles and the video and the podcast. We did all and everything we could think of about Ryan Smith just to see what it would do. Yeah. And it did numbers. Yep. There was a Twitter thread. There was a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love Smitty. We love Smitty. Yeah. Yeah, We all. That's the the whole story. That's the only interview when you come to the nation. You're like, what are your thoughts on Ryan Gordon Smith? We love him. Welcome aboard. (laughs) It's uh, it's hero making. That's what we got to do. Legacy building. Yeah, that's what we're doing to Vinny Dehernay now. That's true. Yeah. I think what's funny about the nation is that like, or others nation specifically, the other sites are a little bit more professional, but like we genuinely do most of the things that we're doing out of love for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, mm-hmm. did you do Smitty Day? Cause you were looking to test your platform strength and blah. No, we love Ryan Smith. You dork. Like, yeah. did you do it for community building to build trust among readers? Are you listening to what we fucking said? <laughs> we like Ryan Smith. Like that is what it's coming from a place of legitimate purity. It's, yeah. yeah, it's true. Like, I mean, I, most of us probably have a story about sitting around in 2007 and finding out that news and being like, what the fuck? That's what made us start Oilers nation men really yeah we were like so 06 happens and jay and i were specifically told by my dad who's a lawyer do not go near white avenue you will be arrested (laughs) i will not come get you out of jail even though i will come get you out of jail do not go to white ave so we're on the sidelines and we're like man we wish we were on white ave and i was like man i wish we could take the energy of the cup run and keep that echoing forever like i remember saying it just the, the fun we're having right now. This is the greatest three months of our life. I wish to God we could somehow put this in a jar. And then however long it was till Smitty got dealt, like less than a calendar year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've been thinking about like Oilers, fun, Smitty. Like this is all we think about, right? Going to the bar. <clears throat> and then they traded Smitty. And the journal didn't freak out. No. And the sun didn't freak out. Sports radio didn't freak out. And I was like, this is nuts, man. This is like one of the worst things that's ever fucking happened and no one's freaking out. And this was right after the 06 cup run with number 44 pulling a fucking fast one on the whole city Ooh. and our civic pride just tanking. Yeah, it was tough. And I was like, is anyone going to tell the truth about what's happening here? Are we just going to let them think like, oh, the prongers don't want to leave here. Gonna we don't have a good fucking shopping center in the mall. Is this really what we're going to conclude? We're the fucking problem in yeah. this situation. And we're like, man, someone's got to do something. And then I was reading this book or magazine called Business 2.0. And sadly, it has closed. So it tells you we're on Business 3.0 at a minimum. (laughs) And I remember they're like, you can buy your own websites. I was like, what? It's like, you can buy. In 07, they had this in a magazine? 06, 07, yeah. Wow. You buy a domain (laughs) name. You start a website about your domain name. And you can have content. 
and you can put advertising on there. I'm like, advertising? I was like, a magazine. I was like, damn. And I remember bringing it to Jay and being like, read this article. And he's like, you could start your own websites? And it was like, you could start your own coal fire plant. Like, we had no idea. We just thought other people started websites, and you read other people's websites. Yeah. I was like, you can just go buy domain names? Like, how the fuck does this work? How do I buy a domain name? Go to GoDaddy. And my first thought is Oilers Nation. I don't know what the hell. Really? I was like, I know exactly what we need to do. So we bought OilersNation.com, and it was like, it, somebody looked it up within the last year online. It's like the middle of the night. I'm in my mom's basement. I'm like, and now the next play. <laughs> and I bought this domain name. And I remember, like... Four months later, just being like, not only is this a fantastic idea, but we need to have a network of these things. Like, we need a Flames <laughs> one, and we need a Canucks one. And I go to see Jay, and I'm like, I'm going to buy Canucks Army and Flames. And he's like, you're going crazy. Like, we're never going to have all these websites. I was like, maybe one day we will. And we did. Never going to have a Jets Nation. We thought that had to be hurried to market. We were like, the opportunity <laughs> is too enormous. And like 12 years later, we still, meh. Yeah. It's worth a try. Yeah. That's the thing where when you really love um, the sport or you really love what it is you're doing, you do want to do a Jets Nation because mm-hmm. you feel Jets fans deserve to have the fun that we're having. But there, it, it's we don't have one, do we? Jets, yeah, we do. There used we to do. be a website, but there isn't like an active. We isn't. The, the site's still active, but there oh. isn't like an active. I don't think social's active. Social's still active. Yeah. I yeah. thought so. Angus and Ava, they're hilarious. Oh really? And they do a pod. They do, do a they? pod. Yeah. Oh shit! I was on it. Oh shit! Yeah, Angus, Angus Hout. He's a good dude. Maybe listen to this on Spotify. I have no idea. Um, he went away to like f- a really remote location, like Flin Flon. Yeah, like Flin Flon, Manitoba. <laughs> yeah, and he did moonlighting for Jets Nation. He went and worked at this real media job as like a rec- radio guy. And the program director told him you're not allowed to do anything other than this. Oh. And he's like, dude, I live in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's nothing to do here. I work on the radio. What am I supposed to do the rest of the day? He's like, I don't care, but you're not working for Jets Nation. Seems weird. So he was off for a while, but he's come back to it. And now he's doing podcasts and shit. And he's like, I just miss talking about the Jets. And I talked to him on the pod. And I was like, well, that qualifies you to bloody continue with Jets Nation. Yeah. It's hard not to, it's hard to watch sports and not now in this. It's been. Jeez, like doing this now for like nine years, it's hard to watch sports and not just think about like all the ways to compartmentalize what just happened and talk about it in different ways and like be like, all right, like look at it from the perspective of like this milestone or the perspective of like this streak or the perspective of like this player's narrative or this rivalry. Like it's so difficult now just to like watch it for just like the phenomenon that it is just like the thing unfolding in front of you as rather than just being like a, a, a like a vessel to talk about stuff. Yeah. You can't turn off your brain no. to it. Yeah. You can't just sit there and watch a game. Like I was yesterday, I was watching the Asian cup. So the, the uh, soccer tournament over there and it was Iran and Syria and Syria has, hasn't beat Iran in like, 50 years or something something like that and just uh, you're sitting there you're watching the the, try and them make try there we go you're watching them try and make history and just you're you're sitting there and you can't not i couldn't name one syrian player i knew one player from iran that's amazing that you knew one player from iran yeah well he plays for uh, a team that has a canadian on it which which makes me watch them so and he got a red card so i'm sitting there like i know nobody (laughs) it blows my mind when i walk into nation hq you the soccer games you're watching because brett's like a true fan of the beautiful game he'll watch like east west hamstonshire against North Nottingfield and you're like this is Devil 11 <laughs> I know eight players playing today like yeah. damn Brett we uh AFCON's going on too so the African Cup of Nations and uh yesterday I was taking an Uber and on our way here, my Uber and I were watching just a random uh, AFCON game on his phone. He had his phone like up in the charger up at the front and I was just sitting in the back like, Oh, he missed it. No way. Like watching a penalty kick or some shit. Think of the technology required. Yeah. 
to sit in an Uber ran by your phone, which is simultaneously live streaming an African soccer game in your northern Canadian taxi. Yeah. Like that's that cell phone ads of the future, right? Remember they I remember the old ads for Bell be like, one day you could watch the Montreal Canadians in a minor <laughs> hockey arena. And I'm like, the fuck you can. I can barely get a cell phone signal to call grandma. Yeah. It's the future is real. They really did deliver. Yeah, I get my cable on my cell phone right now. So, like, I remember during the playoffs last year when uh, the Blue Jays lost to the their two game playoff run. Yeah, that was fun. Pour one out. Um, I remember I was sitting or I was standing on the train back to uh, my place and I was just standing and there was a guy that kept bumping into me because we were it was a busy one everybody was getting off of school and I remember just sitting there watching the Jays get struck out each time getting more pissed off on my phone on cable having this dude's backpack snack slap me in the face and the hand and fucking but I'm watching cable TV a live baseball game from Minneapolis Minnesota on my phone it's it's strange how you it's can wild. Do, that. do you remember like, do you remember the pre phone era and like what you'd think about or look about look like look at when you were like on a bus or doing something like for that? sure shit you bring a book yeah like a I book can remember being like I'm not fucking looking around this bus and making eye contact with people mm-hmm. and you just bring a book it's funny people criticize now they're like look at everybody on their phones but then you see a picture of like the 1990s a bunch of people looking at a newspaper you ever seen that yeah. photo on the subway yeah. and it just shows yeah. everyone reading the newspaper it's just it's the same thing the medium's the message you're right. When I think calling a mobile device a phone is almost like dismissive of what a miraculous yeah. piece of technology it is, man. Yeah. It's a personal device. It's right. a personal computer. Yeah. Like, I'm a f- weirdo, right? I'm rocking two phones, and I have a third one at home, too, because daddy runs too many internet accounts. <laughs> but I can, like, with these two phones on social media, I could probably reach out and touch 1.4 million people. Wow. That's so crazy, man. Now, granted, half of them are bots. Okay, fine. Half the internet's fake. So that's still 700,000 people. And like, if we took a photo right now of your shoe, Brad, and put it on every single account and tallied up how many people saw it, imagine explaining that to yourself when you're the editor-in-chief of the Gateway. Yeah. To get a message out that quick. How do you, um, with what magic device? You're like, actually, in the future, we just call them phones. And everyone makes fun of how addicted we are to them. And they're all in our pocket all the time. Like, we don't have to pull out this big magical machine. It's just we've, three by three. We've essentially just consolidated, like, the printing press into something where anybody who has the access to the internet and a phone and has the ability of language can just say what they want to literally anybody. And you yeah. can manifest your own audience, build your own audience, and, and do that. Imagine saying that to somebody during, like... I don't know, just the newspaper era in general, something breaking happens and you want to let everybody know and you got to like, all right, we got to get the team together. We got to figure out who's writing a post with a headline, how it's going to go into the paper and make sure it looks good tomorrow morning, has the right picture so people pick it up. And then we need a 12 year old uh, (laughs) lieutenant from the Civil War to run up Jasper Ave. (laughs) Extra, extra. Like he's got to be young enough to run, but old enough to have seen some shit. Yeah. Do you think literacy rates have gone up or down? Up. You think so? Way up. Because I, I was trying to debate in my head whether or not it would be, because now I feel like a lot of the things that we see are more video-based, so I was wondering if that would affect it, but everything's on your phone, so you'd have to read things, right? So I would imagine that literacy would go up. Memory has to be worse now. Way worse. Well, so I would say literacy's gone up, but like comprehension, trading, reading, span. like t- 20, say 20 years ago, everything you read was written by a professional. Right. Unless your aunt wrote you a note with your birthday card. Yeah. Right. All you read was the vetted works of journalists and real authors. And like now you're really reading like the aggregate of the crazy people you went to high school with on social media. So your <laughs> literacy has gone up right. but the quality of what you're reading, I think, has fallen through the floor. That makes sense. The uh, I find it funny just how and kind of going to that point too, saying how everything was written by professionals. And then you take a look at what Sports Illustrated is doing now, and that's all done by AI. So it's even surpassed writing professional writers to we have made this little system where the, the, the computer itself has now become so smart that it can write just like us. It's really different sounding, though. Like, I think. When you talk about AI, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of alarmism about how AI is going to replace us. When I think if, if you want to strategically look at AI, what you should do is look about how it can make you like five times more productive. Right. And write, and write yourself, rebuild yourself in a, in a way that when I'm sleeping this thing, I've, and I'm not talking about AI right now. You can't go and fucking chat GPT right now and make this, but like in the future of AI, you can imagine being able to be asleep and then there's like a version of your brain that's doing work. Right. right. Steve Jobs talk. Sorry. No, I was just saying that's the Neuralink. That Elon's making. Steve Jobs talked initially about computers and personal computers because people for a long time thought there's no need for personal computers, right? CN Tower here in Edmonton used to have like three computers on three floors, and that was like enough computing power for Edmonton. That can do the phone bills, that can do the utility work, that can do the census, that can help with voting. Like, you couldn't even imagine the applications for computers at the time. Oh, yeah. And if you were like, bitch, and this is a guy you're talking to, not a woman, you wouldn't even believe what we've got in our pockets. Like, yeah. you could have 15 CN towers times 1,000 computing power. Everyone's carrying that around in their pocket. Yeah. You'd be like, for what use? And you're like, mostly we giggle about cats on the internet. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's, it's just to, to kind of st- track what people are doing, see what your tendencies are, what you want to buy. It's like, it's think about it from like a marketing perspective. Like, when you sell, and I mean, you know this, because you worked in the, essentially in the media industry now for what, like, 15, 15 years you guys started the website. So you've, you've been around this shit for over a decade now. And you think about, imagine selling radio ads or selling magazine ads and trying to convince, you know, who's giving you that money to be like, who's actually seeing this and who's actually absorbing it. Mm-hmm. But now with these digitals, like it's the, the, the whole game is completely different. But even like what you can make money doing on the internet it's yeah. insane like you can just uh, like literally do yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but even like we're an offshoot of uh, uh uh an industry that already existed right yeah it's on the internet it's just a different platform than what tsn or sportsnet would be doing right it, but you can make millions of dollars taking a photo of your feet mm. and not not in, like weird it is you where I do i subscribe I you believe in me it's weird and if, to me it's not my thing but it's just it's strange how you can make thousands of dollars just like oh you know what i'm gonna take my foot out right now and put it on the internet it's so straight but that's the world we live in again that can be a money maker or it can take money away from you just like that i think the important thing to like we've learned is um so i have a little cousin and we were talking one time about the facebook movie and he was blown away that they made facebook like it's like if you've been driving on the north or on the Henday your whole life, mm-hmm. you're blown away to see a photo where there is no Henday. No. He yeah. just assumed that at birth somehow we were all given a Facebook account and he didn't really, it'd be like talking to somebody about before there were telephones, right? Yeah. Like a young person would be like, I don't give a fuck about before there was telephone. Shut up old man. Yeah. Right. And to be young enough to see all the internet technology take off and not be scared of it, yeah. but old enough to understand that you can make your own shit. You can make, it isn't like I can make my own Instagram page. You can make your own website. You can make your own podcast. You could stream concerts. You could do whatever the fuck you want. How old were you when you got your first smartphone? Cause I was, I was at the end of high school, grade 11. I got the Blackberry and I had my first cell phone, like an LG flip in, in like junior high. Mm-hmm. But the first time I could access the internet from a phone, I was like 17. That was the first time I could have social. Yeah. Well, I could, I could access the internet in junior high with like one of those flip phones. They weren't fantastic and they were certainly the pirated Murno sites. Um, but they weren't, <laughs> they weren't fantastic. Um, I would probably, I, I think I was in high school too when I got the iPhone. See, I was always like a super early adopter that would try everything out, but then I'd just be so frustrated by how shitty things were versus how they were promised. So I can remember getting like a Motorola flip phone mm-hmm. and having internet as an option and being like, damn, I'm going to get me some internet. And then it like took so long to load MSN.com. Yeah. And I was like, fuck this shit. I don't have time for this nonsense. And right? then you'd start like timing up the little bar at the bottom. You'd be like, oh, oh it's almost there. There. I, I remember hearing about text messaging for the first time <laughs> and it was Jay nation Jay. And he's like, Hey, have you heard about text messaging? And I was like, what the fuck is that? And it was <laughs> T nine word. 
Oh, right? She yeah. had to hit three, four times to get a B. Yeah. And he's like, let me show you. And it was like the original phone call of Alexander Graham Bell. I'll never forget, we were playing golf. And he's like, you bring the name up here, and then you go to T9 Word, and then message, <laughs> and then like 75 presses later, we <laughs> sent test. And I remember walking and like my phone vibrating. I'm like, oh, it's just like I'm getting a phone call. And I'd never received a message before. Right. And so I remember like going into the menu and it was all empty. This is the first time it was just Jay that said test. And we're walking up the golf hole golfing. And I was like, if this shit takes off, it's going to be so fucking annoying. And he's like, why? What do you mean? I'm like, well, no one's going to call each other, man. They're just going to send you all these texts. And every day, all day, you're just going to be getting all these half conversations that you have to respond to in your pocket. And I remember being like, ah, it won't be like that. It's exactly <laughs> like that. Uh, as you spoke, I had seven vibrations in my pocket good vibration uh, this is this is it, as we started recording that's how many things i've started so honest to god and like one year's world obviously is a podcast with no advertisers or points so we can just talk about whatever we want but <laughs> i don't know that i have ptsd but i definitely have ptsd from how many times my phone's buzzing yeah. a day man and even if I get to the end of the day and I'm like, I finally did it. I responded to all those messages. I just know in the morning it's going to come back again. And then if I don't respond to people within 20 minutes, they're like, you hate me, don't you? And yeah. then just like people get so fucking offended. <clears throat> it stresses me out. Do you ever have like screen based dreams where like a significant portion of like, you know, when you have a dream and there's like, it kind of fades in and out, like what you actually notice is going on. But then you get into one of those like really vivid parts where it's sort of just a screen and things are happening screen? on the screen. You no. ever have that? No. Yeah. I feel like sometimes when, when, when it's busy times at work, say like the trade deadline or something like that, and mm. I'm, I'm looking at the screen for, for 12 hours a day, then, then it's hard when I close my eyes not to see it. Actually, I can, another example of this is, did you guys ever play temple run on your phone? Yeah. So that game was so addicting. I had a, I had a street go one time for like 45 minutes. Oh and God. when I went to sleep that night, I like, I closed my eyes and all I could see was temple run. You know what I actually get is I play a lot of, uh, uh, this game called two dots. And so you, you have to connect dots and whatever you finish this, these levels, but how you really win is you make squares. Cause then all the colors are all of the same color that you made that square of, then it's gone and you get almost like a new, it's, it's big if you do that. And when I close the app and I'll like close my eyes or blink or something, I'll start seeing like different sequences in my head and what I would do to get the square in my head it's really weird because i get that all the time all the time it's mad like i have a very difficult time not sleeping but like sometimes i wake up and then my brain turns on yeah. and i'm just like sitting there and like staring into space and i realize like it's taken five minutes for all the daily data <laughs> to activate in my brain i'm like jesus h christ it's the same as it was when i went to bed you know what i mean like but, nothing is you know what it is it's anxiety like for me, like how you're saying, just finally answered all the things that you need to. You caught up to all the notifications that you got that day. But it's just the anxiety of missing out. I guess it's almost FOMO of fear of missing out of something. I have the opposite. I have the joy of missing out. JOMO. I guess. Yeah. Right. Like what stresses me, I was just knowing like your phones, like yeah. that's how it is, man. 24 hours a day. And like, sometimes I'll come downstairs at Wanya Manor, get myself a glass of milk in the middle of the night, you know, like in milk ads. And I can see my phone from across the room. And it's like, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. I'm like, yeah. fuck, it never ends. I got to come back down and I start the day again. And there's going to be however many trillion people it feels like bitching about something. Well, then if you don't have your phone too, like, do you ever get the the feeling like you ever go on a trip where you're kind of like, all right, no phone for like a week, two weeks, whatever, just going to like decompress. And then you find yourself like feeling in your pocket mm -hmm. and you're like, what do I look at? Because your brain just demands that. People just get, I find personally for me with, the career I have and how I roll, but people just get so mad at me, man. When like I remember last summer I took a week off and I was like, man, I haven't left this city because of the pandemic in so fucking long, this, that, and the other, I'm just going to take my phones and put them in a drawer and I'm going to live my life with Wanya jr. And we're not going to be staring at phones all the time. Yeah. 
it took me a month of apologizing to people on the other end. What? Well, they just take it so personally, man. You just people said you take were, this you shit. Your phone away. I'm like, man, I took a phone break. They're like, well, that's great, but I needed to talk to you. Jesus and I'm like, well, I don't give one fuck. How yeah. does that sound? Only right? That's what a goddamn vacation is. But people get so butthurt if they don't have real time communication with everybody they know at all times. And like, same with emails. Like, I used to get overwhelmed by emails. So I just stopped answering emails, which is pretty helpful. But like, I could read my correspondence all day long as a full time fucking job. And not do a stitch of work. Yeah. And be like, well, today I answered all my emails. So that's good news. Right. So I don't know. It's anyways, I don't know why we're bitching about this, but that's one year's world. It's just like, well, it's just, it just, it's totally changed the expectation of interactions. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I feel now like I'll get like a message on Slack or something that's not like time sensitive at all. And I'll be like driving my car and I'll look at it a red light and I'll be like, fuck, I need to hit another red light so I can reply to this. And it's like, at what point in human history was it like an expectation to interact with someone you're not in a room with and have them get back to you immediately? Like we are not. People get so mad if they don't, man. Like, I don't know if you, do you get that too? Oh yeah, absolutely. People. Yeah. Like if you, if you, yeah, if you go a ways without replying, then it's kind of like, it's, you're kind of a leper. I actively on my phone, I'm going to check now. I have 143 unread messages and it gives me anxiety knowing that there's so much there. But at the same time, like you're saying, I just, I can't, I can't, there's no way I can possibly do that. So I've got 1,134 emails unread. Holy. And I deleted virtually all my emails on New Year's Eve in a sober deletion orgy. (laughs) I've got 21 unread text messages since we started this podcast. Holy shit. I've got 71 unread tweets and I've got 19 Instagram accounts. Holy shit. All with DMs, all with, you know, and then, yeah, man, that's. Here's another really weird observation. You guys, I want to see if you guys agree with me or not. Do you find you get overwhelmed more looking at these kinds of things on your phone than your desktop? Cause I do, if I have to look at a bunch of emails on my desktop, I'm like, all right, this is work. But if I'm doing it on my phone, I'm like, there's people here like behind me, like trying to talk to me and it's fucked. Right. I, the same way? I don't know. Like it's weird with me. Like big screen, small screen. Yeah. I avoid doing emails and stuff completely. Like I want to be known. If you email me, you're never going to hear back. That has to be <laughs> the fucking expectation. Yeah. Right. Um, being on your f- desktop, being on your computer, I try not to go on social. I try to do like laptop work, yeah, like I mean, Excel, you know, writing yeah. articles, doing like harder core shit mm-hmm. and try to leave my communication to my phones. That's that fair. I'm, I'm kind of similar to if I have my laptop on my lap, I feel like, okay, I'm doing work. Like this is something that I'm just getting out where it fits my phone. <laughs> I feel like it's World War Z with the zombie hordes. I'm like, well, I've lost this Instagram account. There's too many DMs. There's too many messages. I'm out. like, man, the Oilers Nation accounts, because I still run them. They're crazy, yeah. man. Like if we do this contest with Oodle Noodle where it's got to like repost in the stories, no exaggeration. We have hundreds of DMs within a day. Yeah. Hundreds of DMs. And you got to sort through and be like, what's this? And then there's people like, can you help me get a Patrick? Stefan Jersey, but an Oilers one because he's so funny. And you're like, why would you send this to Oilers? In what alternate universe are we going to be like, here's our retail store. Here you are. Yeah. But there's hundreds of these fucking things every fucking day. It's crazy. Man. I get all of them too. Cause I have to post on, and some of the stuff I remember somebody called the nation's Instagram Yep. and it was, it was a woman's name and I'm standing and I just started my relationship with my girlfriend and I get a call on Instagram from some random woman and she goes, who is that? Who is no one that? knows. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, don't worry. It's fine. It's for work, which she was fucking around. But I, I there was again, anxiety of just going. And I, I hate opening up. I don't open up any of the messages. I leave them to you. Oh, bastard. <laughs> I go in here and That's just like, no, no. Well, fuck that. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, no, I'll say something stupid or something. But some of the requests on there are fun, too. Eh? Wow. It's just, it, 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 and don't get me wrong. We love talking to everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I cannot believe how many people include us in their days. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. We thank it's you. Incredible. It's incredible. We're literally in a building built by blogs which is bizarre it's just at scale it's like yeah. you're a it's like you're an operator in an old time operator get me chicago 43 and <laughs> ding but like 
at scale, it's crazy. Yeah. This is what, this is what I mean when I talk about like how much it's changed since like I, I showed up there at little brick in 2017, 18, like back then it was like, you know, you'd have like me, BM, Dan, and like Chris, the intern, uh, would sit around and like, you know, like five, six, seven, eight messages would come into the Twitter, the Instagram a day. We'd read them all, talk about them, reply to them. Somebody had a request. Somebody wants a sticker. Somebody wants this or that. And now you see the numbers coming in and it's like, how many like people we have to employ, like, to specifically look at these in order to give them the, uh, uh, the level of attention that we were used to be able to give them. And it's just the nature of the job has changed so much. And it's, I, I, sometimes you miss it. You miss, miss like the old day when we were like a small business. It was, it's funny that we were in little brick and like a really like hilariously ill suited house that wasn't suited to be an office at all. Right. No. And that you were spent your time listening to ladies downstairs talking about their dogs. Yeah. Baby, <laughs> babies crying all that. Yeah. And then we always, we, yeah, it was it was so different. It but that's different. the that's what I think is fun about what we do yeah. is like rather than being a boring ass office with like incandescent lights over our heads, we elected to go a more interesting way. It's always changing. There's always something to look forward to or something random happening. Like you can never at the beginning of like uh, like we, we we view things a lot in quarters now, three months stretches. You can never really it's hard to expect like specifically what 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 the next three months are going to look like at any given time. Things change really quickly. They do. And I think that the constant of like, we love the Oilers is a really interesting thing to kind of anchor your business around. It's like, it doesn't matter if Snapchat pops off or TikTok yeah. comes along or now we're streaming every bloody thing. And we've got all of a sudden our little offices here are now podcast and video. Like it's just continuing to figure out new ways to talk to people about the Oilers who we love so much. doesn't even feel like a job. And it's gotta be fun. Like that's always been sort of the thing where like, here's how take, take, take the approach of, We've always kind of actively st strove, stride, strided to be to be different than the other networks. And I think part of it was always just like, let's make it seem like let's have fun doing this so that people have fun reading it. That's or consuming it, I guess. And that's sort of the goal. Yep. It should be like when you're distracting yourself with this stuff, it should be fun. Well, what's funny is like as we got purchased, thank you, Jesus. And then they <laughs> got purchased by the Danish Kings. Thank you in Danish. Um, Everybody keeps going, wow, that's so interesting, your guys' business. Yeah, yeah. And we got hockey fights. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. But Oilers Nation, and they keep coming back to Oilers Nation. And like when you're Better Collective, the company that bought us in Sweden, or you're Playmaker, the company that bought us in Toronto, and you're very like numeric and numbers based and ad sales and CPM, we've got an X factor at Oilers Nation of like, we really love what we're doing. Vibes. And they're just like, damn, like, how's your community so passionate? And you're like, because we really love what we're doing. Like, damn, how come all these people reply to all your noodle restaurant chain ads like that's us too motherfucker even those people who tell you have asinine comments it's fine by me fuck it one thing that for sure the internet at scale has done for me is break my give a fuck a meter what people yeah. think about me mm -hmm. i've been told off so many times man that at this point like the minute i see that's a message telling me off i don't even care like yeah. i don't even it's pretty hard to see like those comments used to really get under my skin when I was in my early mid twenties. And then as time goes along, you sort of sort of realize it's like every time you see a comment like that, it's just like, here's someone who wants to be, who needs to be mad about something else. Mm -hmm. And they've found this. And you go through their Twitter and they're all, everything is just complaining about something different. There was a guy this morning that DM'd us and it was a Gregor, um, real and his reply was get this fucking idiot off your page i'm sick and tired of this guy and just like imagine we were like oh and go to gregor and be like well man yeah we're done he'll be like what why be like we gotta stop doing 1440 together uh we're gonna need you off the website altogether carl 42 has had enough of your shit yeah. and imagine then like making a post like jason gregor fired from the nation network this guy had it and then like quote tweet him right yeah yeah. That guy's like, I did it. And then you realize it's a Jason Gregor burner account, and that's how he quit. <laughs> it was a genius so logic trap. This beautiful severance package. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sail off into the sun and that's, uh, live his dreams. That's, uh, it's funny because it's a Drake quote that kind of resonated with me. But he said, like, I can put out an, an hour-long album, and 30 minutes later, people will start going, it's shit, it's the worst album ever. It's like, you didn't even hear the whole thing. Like, people just want the most liked comment, and for me, speaking as Drake... Um, <laughs> Go on, yes. <laughs> for me, I didn't even know this person took a breath on this earth before 30 seconds ago, so how would I... 
why would I let that go under my skin or get under my skin, right? You have days where you tweet something and you just get so much backlash yeah. from it that it kind of disheartens you for a while. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know what really disheartened me on social media was that summer they deleted all our accounts. That was mm. tough. Right? We were rolling no. on social in like, yeah. oh, like in 17. Yeah. And then it was two years till we got our shit back. I remember when those Playmaker guys were doing due diligence with us. They're like, you know, we're the greatest people ever. We're going to buy your company. And I was like, oh my God, I don't need to hear another fucking word. Let's do this. Yeah. And he was like, do you have any questions for us? And Jay asked like a business question. And somebody else asked a business question. They come around to me and I was like, can you get our Twitter back? <laughs> and they're like, don't worry, little boy. We'll get all your social media back so you can go tell your poo-poo jokes, right? <laughs> yeah. And Thank you, business daddy. But it's funny because, like, the last week, my Twitter has been very up and down. Like, it's honestly going back to the the Battle of Alberta. I posted a photo of Bret Hart wearing an Oilers jersey. And it was like, even the Royal Calgary's royal family knows who runs Alberta. And that one popped off. Like, 400 likes on and not very much backlash. Then the next day, I sent out a tweet about Jacob Chikrin and the Oilers. And Senator's Twitter was like, you're an idiot. This guy's fucking this and that. And then again, it's uh, up and down and up and down but you have a mute button like you don't need to see shit like that right like it's very it it it, it was always something interesting to me for letting that type of stuff get to me because like my girlfriend will see some of the shit that people will say she's like are you okay i'm like i don't give a fuck like just as how serial killers are born yeah (laughs) first you stop feeling empathy for your fellow man then you mentally divorce yourself from the fellow man then you kill your fellow man who's actually your enemy what you really need to do is just think about all the comments you've ever been given that make you very mad and then when you're driving around in traffic you look at the car next to you and you're like you could have said that to me and then you just have a murderous rage while you're driving around your vehicle and that's the perfect way to handle these situations you bottle it all up and then you hit your referee with a whiskey bottle <laughs> and then you drive up on the curb. Yeah. All right, gang. I'm speaking of going somewhere. I got to go get Wanya Jr. from school. And that shit don't. You got to go get Wanya Jr. too? <laughs> yeah. yeah we got to go pick up. A, we all have to go get someone's child. Yeah. We're all just picking up a. You know what? I'm not going to say that on this. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even. I'm not. No. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. All right, gang. I don't well, think th- they will. Thanks for listening. Wanya's world out. <laughs>